Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hello, I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. Today is episode 135, Hope for the Mom of a Wayward Child. I want to take you back in time with me several years. I had teenagers at home and I was almost getting the youngest one close to graduation. I had graduated my fourth child and the older one seemed to really be walking well and I was just kind of breathing a sigh of relief, you know, like, okay, I got them to adulthood almost and everything's going to be fine. And then I was teaching at this support group and afterward a woman came up to me. We had known each other years ago and we started visiting. She said this to me. She said, you know, I thought the hardest would be the teenage years. But I'm finding that being the mom of a young adult is the hardest of all. And she went on to tell me how her daughter was living away from home and had a great job, but she was really struggling with temptation to the world and with doubts in her faith and struggling to walk with God. And I prayed with her. I just kind of went on with my life. Like it didn't really dawn on me that that was a real thing. I almost wanted to say, I don't want to think about this. I just want to move on. And yet, over the last 10 years, I have seen so many homeschool children who seem to have a vibrant faith in Jesus Christ come to adulthood in their 20s and make a decision to either A, reject Christ and live for the world, or B, just so watered down their relationship with Jesus that They almost come to a point where they're ignoring the word of God or making the world's experts their counselors instead of the most high God and his word. And I just look around and I say, wow, the devil wants this generation. And you can look on the news and see how many people in this young generation in their 20s is so brainwashed by socialism, by humanism, by postmodernism. Just follow your heart, they say. No concept as they're sitting enjoying all of the capitalist things that, you know, like Starbucks and Netflix and stuff like that, and talking about how they just despise capitalism and want socialism, and I just have to laugh. It's like, wait, are these guys brain dead? Then why are they doing this? Why don't they go to Cuba or something like that and really enjoy socialism? But that's not even the bad thing. The bad thing is really the way they are rejecting the word of God. And I see over and over young people making choices that are contrary to the scripture, marrying unbelievers or choosing jobs where they'll be put in compromising situations or using foul language, really foul language. And just things where I say, what happened? What happened to this generation? Many of them indulging in premarital sex or deviant sex. Not all, and I'm not trying to scare you. If you're a parent, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you we're in the generation 
where Satan is after this generation. Satan is trying to destroy this generation. And I see that God raised up a homeschooling movement and really raising up a generation of people who were sold out to Christ. And the devil is mad. And if you think as a Christian you're not involved in spiritual warfare, you have another thing coming. And so you may have had an easy time and gotten your children to adulthood and all of a sudden they're struggling and you think, oh my goodness, what is going on? I am just here to tell you this. We all make mistakes as moms. There's not a mom alive who has not made a mistake. And when our children go astray, the first thing that happens is we panic and we feel like, oh my goodness, I'm a terrible mother. This is all my fault. What am I going to do? And I just have to say, I look back at beginning motherhood and all I wanted to do growing up was be a mom. I didn't have a career goal. I didn't want to, you know, be rich. I didn't want to be famous. I just wanted to be a good mom. And I remember reading scriptures and memorizing, train a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And then these words have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And teaching my children the word and memorizing the word, train your children in the fear and instruction of the Lord and and sharing the gospel with them, the good news that their sins were forgiven and Jesus could come and live in them. And my children as little children prayed prayers of faith and they all embraced that, you know, and as moms, I remember making my own organic baby food, having family devotions, ministering together at church, praying and fasting together as a family, praying for provision when we were out of money and it was the end of the month, loving God together, telling them Bible stories, taking them to Sunday school, all these things. And yet each of my children, as they got to the age where faith had to become their own, had their own set of issues. Some were very, they had a lot of rebellion in their heart. They didn't go out and sleep with someone. They didn't go out and get drunk or do drugs. But there was just that resistance to authority. And some of my children had a ton of questions, a ton of doubts. And they really wrestled. Is the Bible true? Is Jesus who he says he is? Some of them at college, just even though I had prepared them, we read Understanding the Times, we'd done all these things, they got into college and they were just, whoa, are these professors right in what they're saying? Is the Bible archaic? Are my parents stupid? Are, is my whole parents' generation stupid? I mean, except for the professors. And none of my children just sailed easily into an adult relationship with Christ. And that made me wonder, well, is something wrong with me? And the truth is, yes, something is wrong with me. I'm not a perfect mom. I'm flawed, and I've made a ton of mistakes in my parenting. But my children's walk with God does not depend on me. I do my part. God calls me to train up a child in the way he should go. But the promise is that when he's old, he will not depart from it. God has to come in and do his part. And even with all of that, our children still have the choice to accept or reject Jesus Christ. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. So... We raise our children, we do our very best, and suddenly our best efforts are hijacked. 
and they might have questions or sin or heartache or rebellion or addictions or depression. But for whatever reason, it leads them to turn their back on Jesus or his word. And that may be happening to you right now. Maybe you have a teenager. You haven't even finished homeschooling. You have a teenager and they're just turning their back on God. You may have a young adult child or a child in their 30s and they live far away and they've turned their back on God or maybe they live close by and they're breaking your heart. And I just want to say to you, if you're a mom and your heart is broken, the fact that your heart is broken tells me something about your character and it tells me something about your love for Jesus and your desire to raise godly children. And that is so in your favor. So I just want to commend you for caring for really, for it mattering that your children serve the Lord or not, that means that you have a gold heart. And I'm just so grateful that you have that. And I want to encourage you. And I want to share some things from church history and from the Bible to encourage you and to help you to persevere to see your children all come to not just a saving relationship with Christ, but a fruitful, productive relationship with Christ. So the truth is we are living in a time when a generation has gone astray. And maybe all of your children are walking with the Lord, but you have friends whose children are not. Then stand in the gap for them. For everyone who is hurting, we need to stand in the gap for this generation. We can ask the question, is their faith gone? Are they really saved? Will they get out of the pit they've fallen into? Will they stop believing the lies of Satan and start believing the promises of God? And yes, we can just go crazy with those questions. They can rip our insides out. But what really is just the main question is, are our children following Jesus and obeying the word of God? And if they're not, we want to pray for them. We want to pray for them to come to that fruitful, productive relationship with Jesus. We can't know what's in their heart. We can't know if they truly are saved. We we just can't know. We can't read in their heart. We can guess, but that is just such a pathway to heartache. So I just encourage you, look at your child. Is your child loving Jesus and obeying him? The Bible says, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. So is your child obeying Jesus? If not, pray for your child. But leave all of the questions, give them to God. Pray, Lord, I just pray that you would save my child if they're not saved. But I pray that they are saved, that faith is in their heart and that you're going to bring it to fruition. And so I just want to encourage you with that to start. And then I want to look. I want you to meet three women, Monica, Jacobed, and Annie. And, of course, Monica is from the 300s. Jacobed is <laughs> from a long time ago, several thousand years ago. And Annie is a modern woman of the 20th century. So I want to tell you about these women and what happened, each of them had wayward children, and I want to tell you, like, how they handled it and what God did. So first of all, I want to take you back in time to Africa, to Algeria in the 300s. Monica had an unfaithful husband with a violent temper. 
She had been given in marriage as a young woman, and her husband was an unbeliever. He was very violent. He respected his wife because of her faith, but he was still a very difficult man to live with, and he was very unfaithful. He had many, many affairs. Now, she had a daughter who served the Lord, and she loved the Lord, and eventually she actually became an abbess, and that would be that she was leading a convent of nuns and so she had a position in the church of authority she was a godly woman but monica had a son and he was at one point he almost died actually and monica cried out to the lord to save his life and the lord healed him and he saved his life and then thinking that this young man would start serving god but no he didn't want to serve god he became wayward and he began to get drunk he began to sleep with women he began to live a lifestyle that was so lazy just living off his dad's money he was just an embarrassment honestly he was really an embarrassment then the next thing he did was he got into a false religion an ancient religion of the persians and i think about that because i think oh my goodness That's what's happening in today's world, you know. People are going back to these old religions of pagan religions, worshiping nature and casting spells and doing all these crazy things. And so I can just imagine if my child was doing that, how I would feel. And that's how Monica felt. And she even went to him and she was just so disgusted with him. And she cut him off at that point. She said, I'm not going to have anything more to do with you. But... I don't know if it was months or years, but the Lord spoke to her heart and she still kept praying for him, but she began to reach out to him again and reestablish a relationship. He ended up then getting involved in Plato philosophy. You know, if you realize the Greeks had an important role in the Roman Empire and this was near the end of the Roman Empire, but the Roman Empire was still going great gusto and so he got involved in that and of course that's humanistic and definitely not christian and so another thing he did was he moved in with a girl who he was not married to and they had a child and so monica began to pray and fast she actually prayed and fasted for 17 years And at one point in the middle of that time, she was so discouraged and she went to this bishop and she was weeping and she said, I'm scared my child will go to hell, that he will never know the Lord. And the bishop said to her, the child of these tears shall never perish. And that really encouraged Monica and she held on to that. And she kept praying and she kept fasting and she kept crying out to God for her son. Her son ended up moving to Milan in Spain and she knew a bishop there named Ambrose. And Ambrose was a very intellectual man like her son had become. And she wrote a letter to him and she asked him to watch out for her son and kind of take him under her his wing. And then she actually after a few years, ended up moving to Milan. Well, Ambrose did. And because Ambrose took such a keen interest in 
this young man. He began to really like him and want to spend time with him, even though he didn't agree with him. But eventually, they began to have talks about the Bible. They began to have talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And eventually, this young man gave his heart to Christ. And this young man's name was Augustine. And he became one of the greatest Christian scholars of all time. He became so devoted and so in love with Jesus that he would say and and write in one of his books, I can't wait for the kingdom of Rome to fall so that people can know that the real kingdom is the kingdom of God. By that point, he had put aside his wealth. He had put aside all his sinful pleasures and he was walking in the Holy Spirit and serving the Lord and studying the Word of God. People today still read St. Augustine's writings, confessions. He is just an amazing, amazing man. And his mom never gave up praying for him. 17 years of praying and fasting. And finally, he gave his heart to Christ. But she also did something else while she was praying for him. She lived in wholehearted devotion to the Lord. She gave to the poor. She studied the word. She didn't just pray for her son. She lived a life that was such a beautiful testimony that when she died, the church mourned. When she died, the church built her a beautiful tomb so they could honor her. They just thought so highly of her. The town Santa Monica in California is named after her. She was an esteemed woman who loved Jesus, and her son not walking with the Lord did not stop her from living a poured-out, laid-down life. And so that is Monica, and after 17 years of prayer and fasting, her son came to Christ, and her son became one of the most famous Christian scholars of all time. He has impacted so many men and women for centuries to come, and I'm sure even after we're gone, his writings will continue to impact people. So I'm going to take a break right now, and we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, and then we will be right back to learn about Jacobed. It's more fun to learn history in the kitchen, cook and bake your way through time, and add fun to history class with our history cookbooks. Ancient History Cookbook starts with Garden of Eden recipes and progresses until the time of Jesus in the Roman Empire. American History Cookbook begins with recipes from Native Americans and ends with American recipes from modern times. Eating food from the time period we're studying has been a hit in our house, especially with the boys. You can purchase Ancient History Cookbook and American History Cookbook at Amazon.com and PowerlineProd.com. Powerline Productions. Being world changers, raising world changers. Listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis.
Hi, welcome back. We've been talking about how to have hope when we have a wayward child. And I told you about Monica and how she persevered and how she never gave up. And now I want to introduce you to another woman. And she had kind of a different circumstance. This woman, Jochebed, was from the tribe of Levi. Her name means glory of God. She had three children, and one was named Moses, and he became a great leader. Her oldest son was Aaron, who became the first high priest of Israel. And her daughter, Miriam, became a worship leader and a songwriter. Now, Jochebed didn't know that because all of those things happened long after she was gone. Now, I'm sure the Lord let her know that in heaven. But Jochebed was married. She had two children. And they were, the Israelites were living in Egypt. Joseph had been a hero in Egypt. And so because of him being a hero, his entire family, all the Israelites, were treated with special favor. But as time went on, a new Pharaoh rose up, and he didn't know anything about Joseph or care. And so all he saw was this people that had the favor of God on them, and everything they did prospered. So he decided to make them slaves. And even as slaves, they continued to grow. They continued to be fruitful and multiply. They continued to have the favor of God on them and have good health. So he decided he would kill the boys. Because, of course, if you want a people to die out, they're not going to keep going without the boys. And I don't even want to think about what they would do with all the women. But that's what his plan was. So he took the midwives, the Israeli midwives, aside and he said, Listen, when a boy baby is born, you need to kill them. So the midwives... They feared the Lord. They loved the Lord and they would not sin against God. So they refused to kill the babies and the Pharaoh came to them and he said, why are the babies still alive? And they said, oh, well, we don't, you know, these women are so healthy. They just give birth before we even get there. So time went on and then he issued a new order. Every male baby shall be thrown into the Nile River. And that's thrown into the Nile River so they can drown or be eaten by crocodiles. Horrible, horrible death for these poor little baby boys. So Jochebed had a son, and I'm sure that she was scared. I'm sure that she was worried. I'm sure that she prayed. (laughs) I'm sure that she fasted. And she hid her baby for three months. Now, I don't know how you hide a baby for three months because my babies would scream when they were hungry. They would scream when they wanted a diaper change. But she managed to hide her baby for three months. And then she made a plan. And I don't know if she made the plan on her own or if God gave her this idea. But whichever way, God was working through her. To not only save this baby boy, but to save all of Israel. So she built this little basket, and she put him in the basket and put it in the Nile River. Exodus 2, 2-4 says, And the woman conceived and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got him a papyrus basket and covered it with tar and pitch. Then she put the child in it and set it among the reeds by the banks of the Nile. And his sister, that's Miriam, stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. So Miriam's probably thinking, what is my mom doing? Is she crazy? 
Hebrews 11.23 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Wisdom, courage, and trust. Instead of throwing Moses into the Nile to his death, she placed him in the Nile within a protective basket. That is such a beautiful symbolic picture. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But think of all the ways her plan could go wrong. There's a lot of things that could happen. The basket could tip over and an alligator could eat him. The basket could tip over and Moses could drown. Someone could find the baby and kill him. There's just a lot that could go wrong. But Jochebed had faith in God that he was a beautiful child. Now, I laugh when I read that because I think, don't we all think that? Oh, my goodness, my baby is a beautiful baby. My baby is a beautiful child. So I don't know that they had any clue that Moses would be a leader of Israel. But like every parent, they knew this child is special and significant and beautiful. And so she placed him in the Nile within a protective basket. And, you know, sometimes we're in situations where we have to place our babies in the protection of a doctor. Sometimes we're in a situation where our children are just, you know, they're determined to do something that we know is wrong. So we have to place them in a protective basket of our prayers and allow them to be in the Nile, knowing that so much could go wrong, but putting our faith in God that he is going to protect our little ones, our big ones, our old ones, our young ones. And I think that's just such a beautiful picture. Well, God worked it out in an amazing way. And Jochebed ends up being paid by the princess to nurse her own baby. I thought that's, I thought, wow, I would have loved to have someone just pay me to nurse my children and take care of them. But when when the baby is weaned, she brings him to the princess. Now, that's another really significant thing to me, because she broke the law and let her child live. But she obeyed the law and took her son to the princess, because, of course, the princess found the baby and said, oh, I want this baby for my son. I don't know if she couldn't have children. But as soon as the baby was weaned, the baby went to be, and that, that was probably older than you realize, probably like six or seven back then when a baby was weaned, but she brought him to the princess. Now, in bringing him to the princess, she was bringing him into the pagan world. She was basically like letting him loose in the, in all kinds of lies, all kinds of idolatry, kind of like dropping your kids off at college. No, I'm just kidding. But what happens to Moses? What happens to him? Well, he becomes a murderer. He sees someone mistreating an Israelite, so he kills him. And then Pharaoh finds out and wants to kill him, so he becomes a fugitive. And he runs away to Midian. So here is Jochebed. Now, we have to believe that in these first six years, she has poured the word of God into Moses so that he knows who is the true God, the people of God and their significance. And I'm sure she said to him, Moses, God rescued you. This is what happened. I put you in a basket 
and you the, the basket could have tipped over and a crocodile could have eaten you but the Lord protected you and the Lord saved you and here you are and there there she is pouring the word of God into her son teaching him the ways of the Lord and I just have to believe that he realized that God was with him and there was something of a deposit in him I think he even know God has a call in my life God has a special call in my life, but he didn't understand it at the age of 40. At 40, he didn't understand it. 40, that's not young. That's not 23. That's not 21. 40, he didn't understand it. And he has to run for his life. And for 40 years, he's away from his people. God gives him a wife who really is a good woman and two sons and there he is. He's away from his people. And it isn't until he is 80 that God appears from him saying, okay, now you're ready. Now you're going to get it. So how does that apply to us? What does that mean for us? All that may have happened. Probably she would. Um, well, she may have been alive when he murdered the Egyptian. She may have, because that would have made her maybe around 55 or 60, 65. I mean, she definitely could have been around, but she definitely wasn't around when he came back to lead the people out of Egypt. I believe that she died in faith. Whether or not she knew her son murdered someone, I believe that she died in faith knowing he was a beautiful child. She had poured the word into him and she believed that if God could save him on the Nile River, God could bring him into a full relationship with himself and use him and that she would see him again someday. And I love that. I love that she did not have, she did not have any proof that Moses was going to put into practice everything she had poured into him. But I believe she trusted because she was commended in Hebrews in the hall of faith for trusting God. And I just have to believe that she trusted God with her son. So if we see our children in the world, of the world, not just in it, but of it, or if we see our children lacking faith, filled with doubts, filled with unbeliefs, can we believe that God loves them enough to leave the 99 and go after our children? And can we continue to pray and to have faith and to still serve the Lord in our generation wholeheartedly? And that brings me to a woman named Annie. Annie lived in the 20th century. And Annie had six children. And all of them were a handful. And she had, her, her husband was a Christian, but he had a bad temper and there was a lot of stress in the house. One of her, her oldest two children became hippies and the daughter actually was very rebellious and defiant to her parents. But the Jesus movement started and she became radically saved. And then she led her brother to the Lord and he became radically saved. Only a few years later to fall away from the Lord and end up indulging in drinking and sexual immorality and even living with a woman. Another another child got saved 
And that child and the daughter continued to walk with the Lord. And the mom continued to pray, and she in faith believed that all of her children would walk with God. So now, 20 more years go by, and finally this son, who's become wayward, comes back to Christ. So now there's three children serving the Lord, and three children not serving the Lord. But Annie continued to pray, and she continued to fast, and she continued to stand in faith that God would rescue her children. More years go by, and the fourth child gets radically saved after a lot of mess-ups, after just a, a terrible, terrible lifestyle, divorces, affairs, drinking, addictions, but he gets saved, and his life is completely turned around. And now there's two children left, and she dies. And she is gone, but even to her death, she believed God would save her children. Three years after her death, the fifth child came to the Lord. The one that honestly, I thought would never get saved, came to Christ and radically saved. So now there's still one more, and he's starting to go to church. And I just have to look at that and say, God hears your prayers, mamas. God hears your prayers. Don't give up. Stand in faith and keep praying and never, ever, ever give up. In Luke 18.1, Jesus says, that it says, Jesus told them this parable so that they would always pray and never give up. And the parable is about the unjust judge. And you know the story. The widow comes to the judge and she says, give me justice, give me justice. And the judge says, oh, I don't want to give you justice. But because you just keep bothering me, I'll give you justice. And God says, how much more would God give you justice when it doesn't bother him to give you justice? He wants to give you justice. And it ends saying, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? And so one way that we can demonstrate faith is to fast and to pray and to never give up on our children and to continue to serve Jesus wholeheartedly so that we demonstrate in every way what it looks like to be a Christian. You know, there's not a lot of examples in today's world. There's a lot of the world in the church, and we get so confused. But, Mama, if you have a wayward child, the Lord loves your child more than you do. And I believe he will leave the 99 to pursue your child. And the role that you can play is to pray and to fast and to stand in faith to love your child, but more important, to pray and to fast. Maybe you have a child who won't even talk to you. It doesn't matter. Continue to live a wholehearted life of devotion to Jesus and pray and fast and never, ever, ever give up. And I believe that we will see this generation return to the Lord and we will see revival come. Parents, don't give up on your wayward children. God never gave up on us, and we cannot give up on our children. And God is fighting for them. We can fight for them. God bless you. And until next time, have beautiful days. 
filled with the presence of God. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.